Hi friends, hi dear sister, this is Kate A. Kukadezi and it is great to have you listening today. What I aim to do with this podcast and the wider ministry of I Am Free Woman is to help you heal and transform your heart and mind as you choose to live in free in Christ every day. I believe healing is our choice and once we embrace that process, we can truly heal as we heal others. And so I say heal people, heal people. A few reminders before we dive into our conversation with our guest today. Please remember to like, share, follow, subscribe to the podcast and also rate and review the show on Apple iTunes. It will do my heart so much good to hear from you. We will be kicking off our live Dear Sister Summits, which is going to start this coming Saturday, February 25th at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on Saturday. And I have been invited to speak on a topic. And so I would like if everybody that's listening would tune in on Instagram Live, Facebook Live, or go to our Instagram page and click on our link to get on the Zoom, okay? Or you can find the information on my Instagram too. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It is amazing. I have this, um, I have this request from someone uh, to join her and just kind of talk about some of the things that I am passionate about uh, organizing life being one of them. So if you want to learn how to organize your life and be able to achieve the things that you want to achieve, then you may want to join us on Instagram Live, Facebook Live, or Zoom to learn more. And again, it's on Saturday, this coming Saturday. February 25th at 10 a.m. Okay, thank you. (laughs) We have a planner for you talking about organizing your life. And so I hope that you do check us out um, when it comes to the planner. Subscribe to our newsletter. Dear sisters, so much goodness in these weekly and monthly newsletters. It's our way for us to connect with you. This newsletter, especially the monthly newsletter, is where I pour out what God has been pouring in me throughout the month. I get real and candid about my heart. And also I share some nuggets with you. So hopefully you're able to subscribe to our newsletter on our website at IamFreeWoman.org or ChiefJoyActivator.com. You know, there are moments in life when you come in contact with another human and you feel like God sent them. My guest today is someone special and I believe an apple of God's eye. She's a gift to all women, and I hope her story inspires you to embrace the journey that you believe God has detoured you on. Before getting into the conversation, let me catch you up on a few things. So I am taking a page from today's episode and walking at the pace of grace, y'all. I am. (laughs) I have put off my annual physical exam for about six months now, and I am getting it scheduled. Yes, I am. I have also been diligent with my naps, y'all. Like I told one of my girlfriends, I said, naps is the secret to adulting. Yes. (laughs) I am getting them in when I can because dear sister, as some of you know, I am in school and school and life as a woman with many hats can deplete the soul. Yep. (laughs) So if you're like me, you better get your naps on. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. I want you to know this today. The heart is the only organ in the body that cannot heal itself. You will hear Laurie talk more about this 
And I want to shout out Nania for following us on Instagram. Nania and I go way back in elementary school and then we were in the same classroom in high school. And so I want to give you a special shout out sis, for your support. Um, just seeing your name come across the screen uh, definitely warmed my heart that, you know, people that know you are truly um, supporting you and that means a lot to me. So thank you, Nania. We all need people. And if you have been listening to the podcast for a while now, since we started back in September, I will be hosting something just for us, okay? Just for us. New and old listeners, I want to say thank you. And I can't wait. I can't wait to meet some of you and actually put the face to the names that I see come across in our screens and just see where you are listening from. I mean, we have people listening from Germany. We have people listening from Ghana, of course, my home country. We have people listening from South Africa. We have people listening from here in the United States. We have people listening from the UK. And it warms my heart to know that if this podcast touches at least one person a day, I have done my job that God is asking me to do. Today, I have Laurieann Wood with me to discuss her life-altering yet thriving journey when she was diagnosed with heart failure. Imagine functioning on just 6% heart capacity. Hmm. Laurieann lives with an empty nest in beautiful Bentonville, Arkansas with her husband, the love of her life, whom she found in ninth grade. (laughs) Having discovered a serious heart condition almost too late, Laurieann writes to encourage others to explore their difficult faith questions along with the detours of life. You can read more from Laurie at laurieannwood.com. And by the way, y'all, Laurie's newly released book, which was released on February 21st, is available now for order on Amazon and trending as number one new release in Christian and spiritual growth. So Laurie, congratulations. You did it, girl. So, dear sister, I want you to lean in because Laurie's story will have you feeling her breaths. Literally, you feel her breaths. I tried to edit some of it out, but I was like, you know what? It is just beautiful just listening to her and the rate at which she will pause and answer a question. It is just beautiful. As she walks you through the three important questions you need to ask when you find yourself on an unexpected life detour. As you listen, here are a few takeaways. Whatever plan you have in life, remember that plan can be disrupted at any moment. Learn a whole lot as you walk with a new path and keep asking questions. Pay attention to the unusual physical symptoms and warning signs you feel. They hold the clues to an impending detour. Checking the box with God can make you experience a faith crisis. Heads up, go beyond the checkbox and actually sit with him. If you wait to be grateful, you will still be waiting. Gratitude and grief can coexist within you. The three questions you need to ask on your detour offer a chance for you to build your faith, acknowledge your doubts, and embrace the fact that you are not in control. And that's okay. Giving yourself grace is the pace you need. And pacing yourself is the grace you need. Ouch. Yes. Giving yourself grace is the pace you need. And pacing yourself is the grace you need. We had a a great conversation, which I know you will enjoy too. So as I wrap up here and send you over to the conversation, remember to choose to be free, 
Choose to live free and choose to stay free. Being faithfully renewed, encouraged, and exceptional women and men of God. This is Kate, your Chief Joy Activator. Until next time, may God's goodness and mercy follow you always. And remember, healed people heal people. So go out there and heal someone today. Choose to live free. I love you. Enjoy this beautiful conversation with Laurie Ann Wood. Oh, <laughs> well, wow, good. You know, oh, fun. Yeah. I saw some pictures online. I was like, oh, yeah. look at her. She's so cute. <laughs> oh, she had a big weekend because they're, they're big uh, Chiefs fans. And then, so the next day they won the Super Bowl and then we were in town and then she got sick. <laughs> Well, welcome to Choose to Live Free, Laurie. This is where you get to talk to, you know, our dear sisters about um, your upcoming book and what we expect to see from it, Divine Detour. Like, Laurie, introduce yourself to the people. (laughs) Just give us just a picture of where where you are in the United States and just a, a little background about who you are. Sure. I live in Bentonville, Arkansas, which is probably best known as being the headquarters of Walmart. (laughs) And um, we've lived here for 30 years. We raised our kids here. And but I I didn't grow up here. I grew up in South Central Kansas on a wheat and cattle farm. Wow. Which is it's about a five hour drive from here, but still in the same general area of the country. And just was raised in a very faithful home with uh, wonderful parents. The The book that I'm writing is really about how do you handle that when you're a faithful believer, you have walked with, and then your life doesn't seem to be matching up with the promises that you thought he made. And so I've just done this sort of headfirst dive into how do we reconcile that? How do we move forward in our faith when we feel like we feel confused with God or we feel like he's silent in our lives. Thank you so much for sending the the, the copy of the book and also, um, you know, everything. I, I read the book on our way to Alabama for my uncle-in-law's funeral. And that's when I sent you the email because I was like, I can put this down. This is so good. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's so sweet. And I think I like the way you wrote it. It's very non-traditional. I like, and it's so coincidental, just so you know, because every time I have a guest on, I usually am asking them, how is your heart? And just to hear, you know, you talk about all that in your book. When I was reading, I was like, ooh. Now we are talking about the physical heart. You know, when I ask, how is your heart? Usually I'm talking about, you know, the inner man, the inner parts of you. How are you doing there? So I'm going to ask you, how is your heart? You can choose to tell us about both the inner parts of you as well as the physical heart, which is what you wrote about in your book. Mm -hmm. Yes, my physical heart is doing pretty well. Uh, What I have is heart failure. So it's a chronic progressive disease and really only goes in one direction. But right now I'm holding steady. I have a low heart function, but I am a pretty high functioning heart failure patient. So that's a blessing. (laughs) And I've made a lot of adjustments in my day and my lifestyle. And so I'm able to really do most, most of what um, I'd hoped to do at that point, as far as my physical heart goes and for my spiritual heart and my 
emotional heart. I would not have seen this coming, but this whole experience with my physical heart has done a lot to strengthen. I had, I think like a lot of people, always felt like I had a book that I needed to write. And I've always been interested in writing, but there were so many other things in life, raising children. And I had taught at the university level for like 25 years. I was, I still had kids at home. I was just not feeling really well one week, thought maybe I had the flu. It was flu season. So I thought, I bet this is the flu or maybe it's pneumonia. Cause I went to my primary care doctor and he immediately listened to my heart. Like they always do with a stethoscope. And then he said, we're going to get a chest x-ray. And if we're lucky, it's pneumonia. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, I thought that was worst case scenario was pneumonia. And what he found from that chest x-ray is, is it seems crazy because people said, how, how did you not know that you were functioning at such low level? And I just thought I was ill at that time. I can look back now, 10 years prior and see that there were some sneaky symptoms that was flown to Cleveland Clinic. I mentioned my doctor there and I was there. I spent two weeks locally in my ICU and I had defibrillator pads stuck to doctors weren't telling me this at the time, but later I learned that they didn't think I would ever leave the hospital. I was just that ill. I, I knew when they were giving me oxygen and they eventually sent me home with an external defibrillator vest it's called a life vest and a lot of high powered medication that I'm still taking today. And then I got an internal device. That's an internal defibrillator and pacemaker for heart failure patients. And for 16 months, I really didn't get any better. They had used all the bullets in their arsenal to help me. And I really wasn't getting any better. And then 16 months to the day, from my diagnosis, I came down with appendicitis. I was as surprised then to be at near normal as I was to be at 6% when I was first diagnosed because I, I didn't know. And I thought that was the end of my story. I thought my story was one of divine healing and the power of prayer, God's provision. And I was ready to tell that story. And so I, I, I was there doing great and, you know, adapt my lifestyle for the fact that my heart was kind of propped up on medications in this device. So I wasn't totally normal, but I was feeling pretty good. And then three, I've been on this up and down ride with my health, but what the real story is, is that Mm -mm -mm. if only, if only the listeners could see how in, so just um, what you said about, you know, taking this detour. And I want to, just for humor's sake, what journey were you on before the detour? Mm. Well, my children were getting older. I had a couple in college. I had one still at home and I was on this. I had been teaching college for about 25 years and I thought, you know, I'm ready for something different. I thought maybe I would go back to, college and get a different, and it was a very life-limiting diagnosis. At first, they were telling me it would be, like I said, at first they said I wouldn't leave the hospital, and then they said you might have six months. I had to really grapple with the fact that 
whatever plan I had, you know, I had never thought heart disease was in my future. I worried about cancer and so many things that my, I don't have any family history. I don't have any risk factors in my lifestyle. So it really hit me from out of the blue. And I, when I was not only my, my plans, but my days had to get really short because heart failure causes you to need extra sleep because your heart's working so hard to do just the normal thing. I just, my days got shorter on both ends and I kind of work in this middle section now. But when I, when I got heart failure, I was like, I can't stand up and teach college courses anymore for like two hours at a time. I just, I didn't have the stamina and the breath support and everything I needed to do that. But I found that I could sit at my computer and type all day long. And that's when that book started coming out. And so there was sort of a, I was on this detour, but it wasn't necessarily a dead end detour Mm -hmm. because I was going in a direction that that maybe I didn't want or I didn't choose, mm-hmm. but it was leading somewhere yeah. and maybe to somewhere better than what I had planned all along anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> going on this detour that, you know, you didn't choose, you didn't plan. Um, there's a biological component to it, a health component to it. Sometimes our detours have no health component to it, but it has a financial component to it. Like you're financially depraved or strained because of the detour that you have to take. Sometimes there is a relational component to it where you have to let go of some people in order to go on that journey. And hearing your story being that health factor. And as I'm hearing you talk about, you know, what you had to do, I can I started, uh, I think I can go back about 10 years. That's probably the earliest time that I remember thinking something might not be quite right, but I was doing a lot of excusing and explaining away of the symptoms because my husband runs marathons. And so he's this ultra fit person and my daughter was playing high school sports. So she was in really good shape and we would go on you know, just a vacation and there'd be a hill or, and so I excused a lot of things like that. There was a lot of rapid heart rates going on, but I just kind of worked around all of these things thinking that mostly it was that even though I had what I would call an active lifestyle. And in fact, I tried to do a couch to 4k Uh, running program at one point and failed miserably uh, because I had heart failure that I didn't know about. But I just thought if I would, I didn't have any problem. I did have sort of a dry cough that I didn't even know I was doing. And I was talking about these with my children after I was diagnosed because I wanted them to know what the symptoms were in case it was something that was hereditary and we just hadn't identified it yet. So I started going through the symptoms with them. And I said, you know, difficulty with inclines and rapid heart rate at rest. And I said a dry cough, which I don't think I had. And my daughter, my youngest daughter said, Oh, mom, you do that all the time. When we lose you in a store, that's how we find you. She is very observant. 
Yes, I was just going along, uh, patching it together and kind of, and, and not on I really wasn't being that honest with my physician so, about all the, cause I was like, I'm getting older, you know, menopause, whatever it was, I was making all these different excuses about what this could be, mm-hmm. not realizing that taking all those little things and putting them together would have been a huge problem, which it wow. was. Why do you think we make, we as in women, mothers, you know, why do you think we make these excuses? We get so used to putting other people first that it feels awkward and it feels selfish mm-hmm. to say, I have this exercise intolerance and I'm going to go see my doctor about it. It almost feels like you're being too indulgent with yourself to do that. If you do take the time and take care of yourself, you're actually setting yourself up to be a better mother and a better spouse and a better employee. But it feels like for some reason, and I don't know if this is just me or my generation or just women in general, but I feel like we think if we take time out, that's just for us that's being a little bit selfish. (laughs) And it's really just the opposite is if we take the time for ourselves, then we're a better version of ourselves for everyone else. I took a two hour nap on Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) In the nap, I could hear my kids asking for stuff. And I was like, I'm not getting up y'all. I am not getting up. (laughs) After the two hour nap, I went downstairs and I was like, were y'all in my dream? They were like, yeah, mommy, we came asking you for stuff, but you didn't respond. I said, oh, cool, because I was taking a nap, okay? And now I'm here. What do you want? I felt so much better. Yes, and you were probably in a better headspace to deal with your kids than you would have if you had just pushed through and been super mom, you know? Yeah, yeah. I keep telling my friends who listen that adult uh, napping is the secret to adulting that nobody has yet said much about. We need to take more <laughs> naps. We will be less angry, less agitated, very fired up, all those things. Uh, but so those are some of the warning signs or symptoms that you were experiencing uh, during this period. Um, so post the diagnosis, you find out that all this while you have been functioning on just 6% heart functionality. Um, tell me about your relationship with God during those years of when you were having all these symptoms, but you didn't know what you wear, what they wear, and posted the diagnosis, how you started to walk in your detour. I think the years when I was having all those symptoms, I was just so focused on the day-to-day duties that I had with my kids and working and all the different things. I was checking a box with God, like Mm -hmm. he was part, he was one little compartment in my life. And It was sort of like a to-do with all of the other to-dos. And that's how I operated with him. And so when I got my diagnosis and it felt like a little bit like God dropped the ball, Mm. like, oh, wait, I checked all the boxes, God, and you didn't hold up your end of the bargain. Mm -hmm. That's when I had this faith crisis when I was like, hmm, I don't know. Is he ignoring me because... He's mad at me. Is it my, I felt like at one point I had people praying for me around the clock and I have still the framed prayer chain where people signed up for different slots, some in the middle of the night. And I remember after that had gone on for months and months 
and I wasn't getting any better, I thought, I bet it's my weak faith that's causing their prayers not to be answered on my behalf. And I felt guilty about that because I did have a lot of questions and I thought God's being silent to me and he's being silent to them, maybe Mm -hmm. because of me. I had to really deal with that silence and grapple with it. And I learned a lot about what happens when it feels like God's silent and what, what we can do and what, what I felt like I should have done in those months when God was seemingly silent. Hearing, you know, when I was reading your book, there was a part you you did mention earlier that you lost your parents in 2020 and just hearing the timeline of your, um, of your health, it looks like the, the, the passed away in the middle of everything that you had going on. Right. So in your book, you say something um, about grief that I really liked. You said, and I'm going to quote, you said, grief and gratitude can coexist. Maybe they have to. Maybe we can never appreciate fullness without loss. Maybe they are actually partners in bringing the realization of God's mercy into our hearts. And I sat with that quote for a while on the road trip. Can you tell me what this is this feeling is like when grief and gratitude coexist, especially mm-hmm. as you begin to walk this detour and have all those questions about fear. That was something I think I at first thought if I am grieving, then that's the thing I do separately from being grateful. Mm-hmm. And so when I was on this long-term journey with my health, I was sort of in a grief period for a long time because I knew it, it only goes in one direction. And so I was dealing with grief and all that time, if I had waited to be grateful, I'd still be waiting because we're all dealing with grief. And you mentioned about, you know, people aren't on the same detour. They might have loss of a child or bankruptcy or divorce. So all of those cause grief. And Sometimes we're of the incorrect notion that if we're grieving, we just grieve. What I was saying in that essay is that to really be able to get to gratitude, you have to grieve something that you've lost because you're saying, I had something of value that was very important to me, that made my life full, that made my life have purpose, and now it's gone. Mm -hmm. But in acknowledging that, you're being grateful that you had that, whatever that was you're missing. And so I think in order to be fully grateful, we really do have to grieve the things that we've lost. You know, there's that old saying, you don't know what you have until you've lost it. And there's been songs and all sorts of things on that notion, but it's really true. If you don't have that feeling of having lost something, then sometimes you can't really understand the depth of the gratitude Mm -hmm. that you've been of all the things you've been given by God. So I think there are actually two parts of something that we go through as human beings, because Mm -hmm. this whole existence is a little bit about loss. We, we lose something Mm -hmm. all along the journey. And if we don't grieve it, then we, get stuck there. So we know we have to grieve it, but we also know that we have to be grateful, not only for the things that we have left, but for the things that are lost. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So many avenues to kind of dissect this. Um, Let's talk about 
in, even in the midst of this grief and the health, um, you talk in your book about questions, like life mm-hmm. questions that we need to ask. So can you explain a little more about each of the life questions? First of all, what are they? And can you elaborate on them? The The questions came from the essays and all the writing that I was doing on my blog and articles, and they sort of grouped themselves because I was just writing out of my experience and writing out of what was coming out of my heart. They at first didn't seem like they went together at all. I thought, I don't know, I'm just writing these things and I'm trying to be as honest as I can. And then I put them all on sticky notes and started moving them around. And I realized that even as different as all the writing I was doing, it was all going into these three categories. And so I knew there was something there and I started sharing that and people would give me feedback and say, you know, I don't have heart failure and I'm not even on a health journey, but I have those same three questions. And so I started digging into that deeper. There had to be something more about those three questions. And what I realized at some point I was studying the 40 days that Jesus was in the desert right before he began his public ministry. And I realized that when Jesus was in the desert, we usually call those the temptations, Mm -hmm. but any temptation is really just a question that we're Mm -hmm. asking in our head. Mm -hmm. Like, is it Mm -hmm. worth it? Do I do this? How do I handle it? And those three encounters with Satan in the desert were the same three questions that all of my writing was falling into that other people were relating to. And I thought, Jesus was on a detour when he went to the desert. He thought he was going into public ministry and they're like, well, just a minute, we're going to take this little side trip over to the desert first. And so that's what the detour that I was feeling felt like. And so the three questions, and and there's a couple of different accounts of this in scripture, but in Matthew, the first question, when Jesus goes into the desert, Satan tempts Jesus and says, tell these stones to become bread. And a very hungry Jesus had to be thinking, that sounds pretty good. Maybe my most important concern right now is my physical well-being. Maybe I should focus on this side, on, on what's going on on earth, my comfort, my satisfaction. Maybe that's what I should be looking at. And so that first question that came out of that is what I call the question of worry. Is this life all there is? Mm. Because if this life is all there is, then just go ahead and eat that bread when you're hungry. Go ahead and worry about yourself and your comfort and your satisfaction in life. And I think we wrestle with that one a lot when we're on a detour, especially. But really all of these questions are, I think they're questions that sort of nag at everyone in the back of their mind whether they're on a detour or not. But then when you get on this detour, they're not just nagging anymore. They're demanding that you answer them because they're they're saying we are on this detour and we have to have answers. They're dominant, you know? Yes. And Mm -hmm. the fear that attacks you along with it, right? And I like what you said that we can easily give in, you know? Like, is this life all there is? And all of a sudden your mind is taking you down different paths of solutioning, right? Oh, maybe if I just quit, 
Maybe if I just follow my desires, maybe God didn't tell me to go down this road, you know, especially if it's kind of, oh, maybe this is the enemy attacking me. And so we can have so many doubts and thoughts as a result of this one question, this first question. Yes, yes. And and when I looked at it in the book, I was I looked at it from a lot of different angles, but I looked at things like loss and uncertainty and fear and regret and trying to reconcile that with whether, you know, whether this life is all there is and, and how that informs how we live in faith, how we answer that really tells us how we live in faith. I'm walking it, Lori. I'm walking that question. <laughs> this question is this life all there is. When God has called you to something and you're doing it and you're tired, right? And you're like, gosh, this is way too much. This is beyond my capacity. Sometimes you are in that space of wanting to say, I just want to live a quiet life. I just want to be by myself. I just don't want it, God. You know, like, can you take this cup for me? And it's like, eh, I quit <laughs> to go through this. Do you know that? It's mm-hmm. hard. This question, definitely. Yeah, it's hard. <laughs> What's the second question? The second question is in the account in Matthew, Satan approached Jesus that second time and said, throw yourself down from this cliff that they're on. Throw yourself down and the angels will protect you. And so... What Jesus had to be thinking was, I wonder if God's going to let me get hurt because, and we think this too, at least I did, that if God loves me, he wouldn't let me suffer. He wouldn't let Mm -hmm. me get hurt. I'm his favorite. He's going to come in and come in at the last minute and swoop me up and save me. And it's all going to be a party. And I, I see it all. And so we come up with this second question then. When we're dealing with something like that, and the question that I call the question of doubt, and that is, is God always good? Mm. Is he always good? Because what's happening to me right now doesn't feel good. And I'm not sure what to do with that. Should I, am I not God's child because I'm hurting and suffering and my life's not going like I wanted it to be? And and we, you know, in the book, I looked like at things like protection, vulnerability, and idols. I learned on each question, I kind of learned something I maybe didn't want to know about myself, but I did on that second question, I think I learned mostly that God never promised that we wouldn't experience the worst that the world has to offer. Oh, repeat that. (laughs) God never promised that believers wouldn't experience the worst that the world has to offer. He did. He didn't promise it and he didn't model it when he was here. Mm -hmm. And yet we think that that should be a one-to-one correlation, but he did promise us this. He did promise if we do experience the worst that we won't do it alone. And I think sometimes we get that promise a little backwards because we're human and we really want to hear the other (laughs) promise more. We want to hear that he won't let us strike our head against a stone. Mm It, it, you know, suffering is a whole nother topic. Um, that is a whole nother podcast topic. Um, but over time, to truly walk this walk with the Lord, we as believers and disciples of Jesus, we have to swallow that pill and swallow it well. Like, 
the part about scripture where we see suffering and all that. And it's like, I'm not about that life. Some people say that, right? And while we are pushing back against suffering, when it happens to us, we are not mentally prepared. We don't know how to navigate it. He has told us that he is with us through all the things that we experience. He leaves us the Holy Spirit for a purpose. And I just like how you put it in this question, which is, is God always good? And we know that God is always good. But then deep down, we are also asking that first question, which is, is this all there is to life? So while you, you, while the questions may not be connected so far, I'm seeing that they are connected, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, so let, let, let's go to question. Number. Yes. The question, the third question, when Jesus was in the desert, Satan said to bow down and all the kingdoms that you see will be yours. And this brought up to me the third question, which I called the question of control. And that is, is God's plan enough? Because Jesus had to be thinking, that sounds pretty tempting. I I kind of, maybe the human part of Jesus thought, I might like to rule over all these kingdoms. But what we often have to wrestle with when we're talking about control is, why, why am I here on this detour? I feel like I'm being directed on this detour, but I don't like it. I don't, I don't want it. Maybe I'm wasting my life. Maybe I heard wrong. Maybe I, you know, how do I know God's plan is better than my plan? Because if it was my plan, I'd be back on that main road again. I would not be on this detour. And so we just wrestle and push back against how much control we have in our life trajectory. And we spend a lot of time thinking about that. But Jesus initially looked at that in the desert when Satan said, hey, I got an idea here. Maybe this is a better plan than God's plan. And we do that. But especially when we're on a detour, we're like, "Mm, I do not like this side road. I call it kicking and screaming. Some of my listeners have heard me say that over and over again. Like, I'm like, the things that I have been asked to do, sometimes I'm kicking and screaming all the way through the process, you know, because it's kind of like, I don't want to do it, Lord. I don't want to do it, Lord. This is too hard. This is too hard. I don't want to do it. Um, And this question, oh my goodness. Yeah, it is the kicking and screaming for me. It is the stretching for me. It is the strain, it is the discomfort, you know, all, all those things. And it's kind of like, is God's plan good for me? And you have to sit with that. You have to sit with that. And, you know, some people have the, the tension of my desires and what God feels I deserve to do or, or be. And there's a lot of emotional and mental things that we have to kind of walk through. So out of these questions, you have 40 days. So for everybody listening, the book has 40 essays, kind of the format is so different from your traditional book. And each of the essays has a component where Laurie tells a story, which I love because it kind of is like I'm reading your journal entry and you give us some information around that. So then you go on this 40-day journey of discovering whatever it is that you wanted to discover with the Lord. At the end of your 40 days, what did you appreciate about grief, about suffering, 
about the plan of God, about all of those things? I think the biggest thing I learned overall about the book in writing the book was that I wanted, and I maybe I'm not alone, but I wanted my life story to, I wanted to see the end result. Like I wanted to see the whole story art. I started to realize in sharing the stories and just with my health journey that so many people in the Bible never got to see the finished end of their story. When I think of Stephen, (laughs) it really does because we think that we want to know, but so many times we, we're going to pass before we know how, what we did here made any sense in God's bigger story. Cause we're just this little tiny sliver mm-hmm. of God's great big story. Mm-hmm. And it'd be like, if I picked up a big chapter book and read one chapter and thought I could make sense of the whole story by just reading my little chapter. Mm-hmm. And that's, that seems silly to us, but yet we want that our little chapter to make complete sense. But, you know, you think about Stephen or John the Baptist or the apostles, I don't think their story probably made a whole lot of sense in their lifetime. Mm -hmm. We can look back now and go, oh yeah, Mm -hmm. that had to happen. Mm -hmm. But can you imagine being them at the end of your life going, Mm -hmm. oh, this Mm -hmm. doesn't really make sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When we read, when you read Hebrews 11 and it talks about the faith Mm -hmm. and it talks about all those people who did not see the promise fulfilled and kind of like oh lord but i just want to see can i just see how this output turns out like this input that i'm i'm doing and all this hard work and i think what you're saying is we have to get comfortable with the principle or yeah with the principle that as you walk down this faith journey with the lord we have to get comfortable knowing that Sometimes what he has called us to in our detour, we may not be the ones to fully carry the torch forward. Like we are just part of something. And that comes with the control question, you know, like if you're someone who really struggles with control, wrapping your head around this idea, this concept, this principle of I'm only doing this after a certain point and then somebody else is going to pick it up. And then the control says, but I want to do it all. I want to do it all. And so we are inviting the unnecessary tension into our hearts, into our life, just because we don't know how to surrender our parts to God and allow him to direct it, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so this, oh my gosh, yeah, this, this part about being comfortable and partnering with God, knowing that sometimes you may not be the whole book, you know, you may be part of just a chapter in the whole story that he's telling. How have you reconciled that in your life today? I know you said in the beginning of your intro that you are still actively going through the heart failure um, Mm -hmm. diagnosis. So how are you doing today with everything? Um, I know you're doing podcasts and de- uh, touring your book and all of that. How do you even have the energy to do all that? I do a lot of pacing, <laughs> I think, and stringing it out. It takes me a lot longer to do certain things, but I have just 
I've learned one thing is to just give myself way more grace, which I should have done so long, much longer ago for so many different reasons, but giving myself the grace to live the life that God designed for me instead of this life I conjured up in my head for me. So, you know, he gives you what you need to do what to fulfill the roles and the purposes that he has for you. But sometimes we put things on ourselves that aren't really ours to do, or they're not really ours to carry. And I think that's what causes people to buckle under the weight of it. So learning to give myself grace and time. And like you were talking about rest is a big one. And I, I started just from a, from a mental or spiritual standpoint, I started looking at my detour a little bit differently instead of, oh, poor me, I got pushed off on this path that I didn't want to be on. And it's not the fastest way or the prettiest way or the smoothest way. But I started to look at that detour more as a testimony to other people that says, I'm not going to turn away from God when things don't go my way. Mm. And that became sort of my mission to say, that's my story is things are not going to go my way. And I'm not going to turn away from God for that. So that became the driving force of still walking through this detour that sometimes I still don't understand it. And sometimes I still get disappointed. And and most of the time, honestly, I still question and still Mm -hmm. ask those same three questions, but I'm refusing to turn away from God. I'm turning to him because I want to, I want to turn to him, even with my questions and be honest with him and be able to keep that conversation going. Mm, Wow. So pacing yourself, I wrote, you know, giving yourself grace is the pace we all need. Pacing yourself is the grace we all need. We need it. We need to be able to find those rhythms of grace, right? And walk in them with the guidance from God. So at the end of all of this, the book, the tour for the book, now you're talking about your story and people are going to get to read it. It's being released. When is it being released? February 21st. February 21st. So as of today's recording, it's going to be the episode. This episode is going to be released the week that your book comes out. And I know it is exciting because I am a writer and I always say that I have so many writing projects. I just need to figure out what I'm doing with myself and get to it and get some publishing done. So I am just intrigued that you have your book published and it's coming out. I bet you're excited. I, I am. I it, it was sort of a dream project, but the thing that I didn't realize, and I might not have started down this road had I known how long it takes <laughs> to get finished, because that was a process in itself. I I really had the book proposal written in 2020 when everything sort of shut down. Mm-hmm. And so that's how long it's been from having the whole concept figured out and, and ready to go to when it, it you know, almost three years, it'll be coming out. So that was, 
I had no idea, but it's so exciting because I can see that this is something I couldn't have done on my own. Uh, you know, I, one quote that I remember someone uh, telling me in the, in the hospital, because we started this conversation about my physical heart, is that he was a doctor and he wasn't my doctor, but he was a friend that was a doctor. And he looked at my information and he said, this is bad. He said, "You, the heart is the only muscle in the body that can't heal itself. Mm. It can't regenerate new muscle tissue. And so I, I thought about that for a while and wasn't sure what to do with that. They can prop you up with medications and devices. And here I am, you know, seven years later. And what happened was the same thing that happened with my writing is I couldn't do it on my own. And so much of life is like this, like you can't do it on your own. You can't regenerate your heart on your own, whether it's a physical heart or your spiritual heart. It takes community and it takes God's breath, his spirit to breathe life into it. So that that has been something that was a, a real gift at the time. I hated to hear that, that the heart is the only muscle that can't heal itself. But looking back on it, it was spot on. It is spot on the physical heart and the spiritual heart, you know, however you want to look at the spiritual heart. That's the work that my organization, we that we are working and doing is healing the heart of the woman of the young girl, because like you're saying, healing that heart, it's not just you alone. It takes a community. Sometimes it takes reading a book. Sometimes it takes uh, mentoring, coaching, therapy, seeing a, a psychotherapist, whatever it is, to get your heart pumping again, you know? And so there's so many correlations between the physical heart functioning and the spiritual heart functioning, you know? Mm -hmm. And here, I, I want to go, you know, just wrap up by going back to what you said, which is, you know, while I am on this 6% journey, you know, I am still thriving. And just looking at you on the screen right now, the joy that you have, the peace that you have, the calmness about you, there probably is someone in your situation, similar situation, experiencing great loss, great uncertainty about life, and they are so rattled. You know, like they don't know how to go about finding their joy and all that. What would you tell them is the most important lesson that they will learn picking up the book? I'd, I'd say two things. One, I touched on before where I said, just keep what, even if you're in that period of time where you feel like God is distant and, and silent, maybe just keep reaching out to him because when you walk away from your faith, when you put it on, what I did is I had this kind of fragile faith and I put it up on a shelf and said, this isn't matching up with what I'm going through, but I'll get back to my faith when my life comes together. And what I needed to do was take it down and really examine it and ask God those questions because that was my lifeline to him. So keep asking questions, on days when you don't feel like you can pray, you can borrow words from scripture. You can read uh, the Psalms. You can read others writing who have gone through suffering. 
even music, Christian music would seep into my heart when I just felt distant, but it was a tether to God. I, I had this lifeline and I was just holding on temporarily. And that's okay when you're in those times where everything's crashing in around you. And the other thing I learned is that when we're going through those tough times, God's always been more interested in our spiritual salvation than he than he is in our physical comfort. And so just because something is happening that doesn't feel good or it doesn't match up with what you expected, that doesn't mean that God's not at work in your story. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that you've done anything wrong or that what you're the things you're trying are wrong. It just means that God will go to any cost to himself or to you to secure your heart for eternity. And just think in terms of that, that this might be an opportunity for you to lean in deeper into your faith and something that you might not have done if life had gone a little bit smoother. What does joy look like for you these days? Joy is, joy for me right now is a 12-month-old little girl that was born into our family. She's our granddaughter and she's, it's a special time for us because she's our first granddaughter, but also because no one thought I would be here to see that. And so she is this, I can see in her a little bit of the story carrying on. Mm -hmm. So even if I get to the end of my life and things are unfinished or feel incomplete, I can look at her and know that it's going on. So that's what joy feels like to me. They are always adorable. And I will, you know, put your information in the uh, the podcast uh, section so that people can take a look at it. But tell people where they can find you. Yes. My website is lauriannwood.com. And I have a page on there for my books. And also, I if anyone's interested in the process that I went through during that silent period where nothing was happening for those 16 months. I captured all the, I went through scripture and looked for promises and formulated prayers. And there's a free resource on my website and that's at laurieannwood.com slash hope. If anybody would like to have that. So Lori, it has been great. And you and I connected and we talked and here we are and We'll be getting to the finish line of putting this out for everybody to hear. And I can't wait to see the number of people that it blesses. So thank you so much for joining me. It's been amazing. I've spent almost that whole hour with you. I know you have to go and piss yourself now. Are you going to take a nap? What are you going to do? (laughs) After what you told me, I'm going to take a nap. (laughs) Yes, you need to take a nap and get some rest. It's been amazing. I have enjoyed our conversation. And those three questions, I still am pondering over them. And I know that my listeners are going to enjoy reading your book and just hearing your story even now. It's, It's just amazing. So I love you for who you are, for just being obedient in your detour and doing the things that he is calling you to do. And I can't wait to see what else you have in store. I know we connect on Instagram, so I'll still be seeing what you're up to and um, just, you know, peace yourself. Just peace yourself. Okay. Thank you very much. It's so nice (laughs) to meet you, Kate. You're welcome. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.